everybody, welcome to the first episode of Reproducibility of 2019. Um, we are starting off the year on the most positive note possible, talking about imposter syndrome, because that's just the kind of people we are. Um, how is everybody? I'm joined by Amy. We're currently doing power posing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really well. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's actually, it's, 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 yeah, it's, <laughs> oh, no, okay, I'll let Sophia talk, talk this week. <laughs> uh, how are so, you doing, Sophia? Yeah, I'm very well as well, thank you. Starting off my new year, uh, happy and healthy and things, which is good. Right? Should we do announcements? <laughs> I love how you're like, I let Sophia talk, and then Sophia was like, oh. yes, words. <laughs> Words Maybe Sam It's the start of the new year, but I feel like we were much, much more cogent than our, like, let's wrap up last year, where we were all just fried to the point where, like, Amy sort of accidentally deleting it was, um, <laughs> was yeah, so, uh, the best so, thing for everybody. Yeah, so last last year, I think right before the holiday that we recorded, we wanted to record something with like wrapping up 2018. <laughs> and I think we just rambled the whole time. And then, uh, yeah, I accidentally even deleted the whole file. But I think we, we spared our listeners um, complete brain fried rambling even though I, I feel quite brain fried now so <laughs> um yeah but we we've had a good holiday so that's good yeah maybe this is like sort of podcast block setting in for the first time mm. that we're suddenly becoming very critical of what what we're doing and just assuming that we're we're rambling and uninteresting yeah we need to do things better <laughs> which is actually a great way to go into our oh, um, segue yeah <laughs> i just i just was like thinking of sophia on a segue <laughs> uh, oh dear yeah um, so we wanted to talk about imposter syndrome i guess it's something that i i think everybody gets to a reasonable degree at some point at least in some way. Um, but should we start off by giving a rough outline of what we see imposter syndrome as? Yeah, because for me, I feel like loads of people always talk about it. And I have my ups and downs feeling, you know, I'm a good scientist, I'm a crap scientist, I don't know what I'm doing, I know completely what I'm doing. But I never really, I don't know whenever when I'm actually feeling what other people call imposter syndrome. Like, I'm still mm. not very clear about what it actually is which is kind of why I was like I'll interested in our discussion today because I think we do throw the term around a lot but like what makes it different from just questioning your scientific worth which is probably just a key part of our profession well I, I, probably those two things are on on a spectrum mm-hmm. right like I think you could you could frame it like that um and that it's like when if if you're on on the side where you're just healthily questioning your I don't know your your knowledge or what you're doing, then it's good. Or if you're on, if you're on, if you're on the other side, on the other end of it, and and you consist, you're actually properly thinking you're a fraud um, when you're really competent, then it's bad. Have you yeah. ever felt you like you're a fraud, Sam? I don't know. This is why I think imposter syndrome is a really weird thing because. Um, it's kind of, or at least the almost 
textbook definition is to do with yeah feeling like you're a fraud like you don't belong like somehow you got got here by accident kind of thing and I don't really feel like that but I definitely get the kind of am I accomplished enough will I be able to stay everyone else knows more <laughs> that, that kind of like like I, I totally get all of that but like to me that feels kind of on a different end of like say a spectrum from kind of I, I am a fraud mm. and I know I might get found out kind of thing yeah like when I when I started my PhD so um, I went I went straight in from my undergrad because you can do that in the UK I, I wouldn't really now recommend that to anyone <laughs> Um, I think I'd rather have had an extra two years to think about my research. But at that time, it felt like a good idea, um, mainly because I'd been ill during my undergrad. Um, it would have given me a lot of time, a bit less stress than your master's. <laughs> Anyways, um, so, and I remember, that I think the time when I felt most down about academia was when I started and everybody kind of knew what projects they were already doing. And I was there, and I was like, I'm going to do something with social media. And everybody just looked at me and was just like, what this person doing here? <laughs> but then, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was, I was a fraud. I just felt like I was just in the wrong place. You know, I was just like, oh, crap, I am so behind. And, you know, why am I here? But... I don't know, I, I, it's hard for me to put my finger on this feeling of feeling like a fraud. Um, I'm definitely, you know, I'm sure other people have felt that way, but I just then feel really down and, um, you know, I kind of close myself off from things and, and I, I guess just try to get, get on with things. But, like, I think, I don't know, for me that was probably the time when I felt most out of place. Mm. And looking back it was natural that I was a lot more behind the people who'd done masters and research assistantships and had already had a project, etc. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think you kind of hit, at least to me, kind of the nail on the head there. Like it wasn't so much about feeling kind of fraudulent so much as it is, well for me at least, it's about feeling behind in some way. Mm. Um, and I think the the scary thing about that is that it can kind of come up about anything, right? Um, so it could be, it can be publications, it can be skills, it can be, why, why can't I program that quicker or better or, oh, I've, I've, I've not read all these papers, <laughs> kind of like, all the things that legitimately come from the fact that no one person can know everything. Exactly, you're not Superman. Exactly. But I've got that with code so badly, you know, because you're there and I'm like, oh, I really like coding. I like my R and I want to make my R script openly available. And then it's just like, don't look at my R script. <laughs> <laughs> they still have set working directory in it. And I know I shouldn't have that, but I, I didn't know project at the time I did these, <laughs> you know, and you're just there going like, you know, being like this ridiculous because you know I'm it's a work in progress but yeah I feel so self-conscious about my R scripts it's kind of but like you're not my a computer scientist. sorry you know but you're not a computer scientist right like you have more than like a sufficient working knowledge that you need 
um, for your work, right? Mm. And you and and you are sort of aware of the things that you could be doing better, maybe. But also, it's like as long as people can understand your code, and as long as it's not full of sort of bugs, yeah. then it shouldn't be embarrassing in a way, right? Mm. Yeah. When when is is what we've been talking about about imposter syndrome? Does that resonate with you, Sophia? Uh, about feeling like you're behind and feeling like um, yes, obviously, because you quite like I don't know. So I, I, I get yeah, I get this when I yeah when I see um, what other people are doing. Of course, um, it's like ah, how are they doing this? I want to be doing this too. <laughs> it's so much stuff that I want to know and I want to be able to do, but I can't. And I should be able to do this now. And surely they they've known this forever, right? Um, so I know that this goes into like the why, but I do think it's like um, you are only seeing the the end product of people's work there, right? You like you you're seeing them at a point where they've already gone through the process of working um, on a skill or on a project, uh, right? You, you see the published paper, or you um, you see the person who is um, who's sort of known for being able to do X. Um, like you, uh, yeah. You do. You, you think that this that you, like you, you kind of get this. You don't obviously don't think it, but like you get this impression that this is just they just happen to be that way, and they didn't have to put in all this work. And I think that's probably part of what makes this so ubiquitous and hard, right? This feeling of like, oh, I'm behind. I should be doing this because you you do get this feeling that everyone is just able to do it anyway. And obviously, like as soon as you think about that for a sec half a second, you're like, "But of course they've worked on this for years, and of course they've they've um, perfected this." But um, yeah, you're not constantly that perfected. So yes, yeah, so my my um, comparison there is like stuff like Facebook and Instagram, where you also see people's sort of polished, most perfect elves, and not everything behind it. Um, is there like a certain time or kind of context for you both that it kind of, I don't know, imposter syndrome flares up more for one of that phrase or something like that? I think I really think that the times when imposter syndrome flares up for me is when I'm in a new surrounding and taking from what Sophia said, it's when I'm with new people who I don't know very well yet because for them you only see all the things they know and then not all the things they don't know. So you kind of assume they know all, everything that you know, plus all the things that you don't know that you then know they know. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, That's maybe right. with an example is like, if you're at a workshop, and I think I just assume that everybody has the level of knowledge I do about things that I know. And then somebody like knows so much more about mm. our packages. And all of a sudden I'm just like, whoa, they know so much more. But if I'd actually know them very well, I might see that they're not very good at writing or they're not very good at communicating or they don't know the literature as well as I do. So I feel like being in new situations, I'm always just like, whoa, everybody knows so much. But then it's because I only see the additional things that I don't know and not the things I know that they don't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the, the gif with like 
This could it what? <laughs> oh, yeah, with the formulas and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a solid point though, it's kinda of, we tend to compare ourselves to others but almost under the assumption that they are like us plus mm. more skills. Mm. Which is kinda of, again, um, like Sophia was saying earlier, kinda of, it's obviously wrong, but it's just difficult to kind of get out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, how about you, Sophia? Like no, I mean, so I, I was I was gonna say I think right because like this 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 what you're saying is already a problem if you're in just one within just one discipline or even just one lab, right? Because lots of people, lots of, like different people know different things, and exactly you assume that that you that they know everything that you know and then a different thing. Um, and I think something that exacerbates this even more is um, interdisciplinary, interdisciplinary work. Like interdisciplinary work is great and important. But it does also mean that many more people are are seeing much more work and many, many different approaches from different people. Um, and probably also, at least sort of subconsciously, um, you know, without reflecting on it, assuming that all these people know everything that, that they know themselves, plus all of these other things that they've never even thought about. Um, and it obviously makes no sense for each and every one of us to be proficient in all of the different things from all of the different disciplines because we like we need a division of labor here um, to do good stuff, right? It makes no sense if everyone is sort of half proficient at all of the things. Um, it's much better if you know if everyone has their their specialties and is then also able to do certain things um, to some extent so that they can criticize things, they can understand things on a basic level, or know who to ask, yeah. right? But we do sort of, I don't know, I think I think it's easy to have this impression that you that you personally need to be able to know everything, and that you personally need to be able to, to be able to do everything. Yeah. I do think that, that that kind of feelings, and then the feelings I was talking about, kind of reflecting on them now, it's mainly with people who are either on my level or slightly above me. Like, if I'm working with professors who I know have had massive experience in the field, in if that's my field or another field, and if they have loads more skills that I don't have, I don't get imposter syndrome because I have a reason why they know more than me. <laughs> it's like, that's yeah, why they're there. And, it's, and it's, it's sort of there, it's very easy, it's, it's so easy to see that reason then you don't even get that initial thing of, oh, you know, I should be at that stage already because you're like, it's impossible. Mm. Right. Yeah. Whereas even if, if, if they're at, at your stage, then it's, it's easier to fall into that trap of, oh, clearly they know everything I know and I should be doing what they do. Mm. Yeah. I just remember that another time when I, I had, I actually had a flare up of, yeah, I feel like a fraud was when I did a lot of, stuff in with science communication in the media and I was sitting on one of the top UK breakfast programs of the radio so the today program on radio four and I was just there going like what <laughs> like I was like I was like I'm not supposed to be here <laughs> but then what actually really helped me in that point was that um I had previously very luckily had coffee with an editor of Radio 4 at the BBC headquarters. So she didn't know me. 
but she, I think she realized that I was very interested in communicating what I was finding and I like talking about the things and, and she was like, oh, why don't you come down and, and have a coffee with me? And I was just like, yeah, I want to see the BBC studios. <laughs> and I ended up, yeah, being down there and we just had a chat about my research and kind of what academia was like. And at the end, she was like, if you ever, you know, if you ever get somebody asking you for an interview wherever always say yes and don't give it to somebody more senior because like you're just as good and they'll ask you for a reason and so there I was just sitting in this cubicle because because I wasn't in the studio recording this breakfast program I was in Oxford and you sit in this little room with like a microphone and you just hear people talking and all of a sudden they're talking at you and you're like oh no I need to talk but I kept on being like I'm, I'm here for a reason and this person who I once sent a thank you email to and she never replied <laughs> but you know this this person really helped me go forward so for me that shows I've been as kind of also as women helping women I felt that was a really powerful experience for me having somebody senior take the time and probably say we need more young women academics so I'm going to take the time to have coffee with this girl and that really empowered me later on so I really had imposter syndrome then but what really helped me is that yeah this kind of being like okay I don't feel like I'm here for the right reasons but like at least somebody said I'm here for a reason (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you find um so so for me probably when it flares up most is that most of the time I can kind of try and not compare myself to other people you just kind of go well I'm learning this I'm doing whatever um but it's when I start to think about like career progression and jobs and applications because that's where you, you can't escape the fact that you are being compared to other people. So they're all, so for me, when I think about like, at the end of my current grant, I need to be getting, I don't know, a fellowship or another postdoc or something if I want to stay in academia at the time. So like by that time, I need to be doing X, Y, Z to be able to demonstrate the skills and the papers and all that kind of stuff. So that, that can quite quickly turn into comparing yourself against others and it kind of it creates this vicious cycle for me because then it's not it's not just a feeling of I need to know this or or I'm comparing myself to other people but it's like and my like livelihood my income depends on depends on this yeah oh my god so much yes I've been like nodding the whole time <laughs> like, yeah, I would, I would oh, the worst thing I've ever I've ever podcast, do because you're nodding so vigorously yeah the worst thing I've, I, I, I like if I want to make myself depressed I just need to look at other people's CVs because like oh, yeah, oh man know. the worst thing don't look at don't don't do it <laughs> like because I I sometimes then I go on online and I'm like oh this person's really impressive and they're like slight they're like on my level and it's like they're on my level and I'm like I'm just gonna go look at their CV and I'm just like oh no <laughs> <laughs> so I really try to stop doing that because I think feel I feel CVs for me I like I straight away go to comparison mode like I'm an intensely competitive yeah. person anyways but like CVs are just like a list of achievements. You don't know the nuance, you don't know the backstory, and you're just there going like counting lines, you know, and you're just there. And any person is gonna feel worse doing that, however strong you are in in the market at the moment. So 
yeah, oh my God. If I could stop myself doing one thing, it's doing that. <laughs> yeah, I think this, yeah, this comparing yourself to others is obviously super unhelpful. Um, yeah, so Amy, Amy, Amy and I talked about this sort of, um, that at undergrad we were both t- taken apart and put back together and sort of came out of it being like, oh, everything is nuanced and are we that great question mark? Um, but I do think this sort of Oxbridge thing of very much telling lots of young people who are good in their small ponds that they're not that great is also very helpful because to me, for me at least, um, it reduced this comparing myself to others problem a little bit because I was because I sort of I just I just realized you know there will always be someone that you feel like is like is better than you um, and they will always have someone else that they think is better than them but you wouldn't think is better than you like right this is like everyone makes their own sort of judgments on um on what is important and what is what is good and what is excellence or whatever um so no one no one ever feels like they're they're the best and and that's good um because if you did you become you probably become complacent and and horrible and and not nice to be around um so right like we need that humility we don't want we don't want people to to think that they're the absolute best. But on the other hand, we also don't want people to think they're the absolute worst. Because if if people gen if you genuinely have lots of people who think of themselves as imposters, I'd assume that those people would probably be more. I don't know. I mean, this is an empirical question at the end of the day. But like, I I assume that if you genuinely think of yourself like think of yourself as an imposter, that you'd also be more defensive about what you're doing, maybe. Like if like if you if you genuinely like properly in there like if you're not just doubting yourself like oh okay then I'll change this but if you're genuinely like oh people are gonna find me out even though obviously you're more competent than than that isn't that also very harmful? I think for me at the beginning of my PhD I was a year I did a year of research that is more or less in the bin because I felt so scared that I just wanted to just did everything like everybody else was doing it you know I, I didn't add originality in because I didn't trust myself as a scientist so naturally it was a learning progress as well but looking back at that time I had presentations given to me about open science and I feel I don't even remember sitting in them you know I, I had loads of great opportunities to really think further than what my little bubble was but because I was so scared of kind of just keeping my bubble and like making sure that I survived in that, I didn't take a lot of chances and take some risks and things. So I think for me, that is where this kind of questioning yourself and spending a lot of mental time on thinking about if you're in the right place actually led me to do less good work and, and be less happy and be less creative, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Should we take a quick break and then get back to it? We, yeah. Hi everybody, we are back talking about imposter syndrome. Thank you everybody for listening. Um, to support us, you can like, share, retweet, all the various different things that give us some kind of support. 
at some point, um, the journal club branch of reproducibility is going to spread out and we can send you merch and starter packs and uh, all manner of goodies um, with support from the UK Reproducibility Network. Woo! <laughs> um, which is, is just every every level of awesome. Um, if you have any suggestions for things you'd like us to cover or just general Q&As, send us an email. Our DMs are open. Um, we'd like to hear from everybody. So, so I, I have one more when imposter syndrome gets worse. And this isn't specific to me, but I think it's like a broader message and it's not specific to me because it just makes me angry right so th this is when you get more senior people on social media say things like imposter syndrome is good or if you get imposter syndrome if you feel like you shouldn't be here then you shouldn't be here because do they say that i have seen I've that i've seen that before and really? it has led me down several ramps whoa um, Mainly for I, mean, the I, I, I mean, I've seen people say, if you have imposter syndrome, then that, that's good. And I think that's also problematic as a way, but yeah, so people say this? I, I think it depends what you mean by good as well. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit next as well. But no, I, I've, I've seen a couple of instances of this. Um, and just, just, again, just descriptions that kind of, if you don't feel like you, you know enough to be in academia, then maybe you actually don't know enough. There's like these some really negative, negative views, and I think like that kind of thing spread out in the public. I can fully see kind of flaring up people's like, oh, maybe I really shouldn't be here. I mean, yeah, like, I mean, these people get slammed yeah, like, down so quickly that there are so many point not. points at which like other people can tell you that you shouldn't be here. It makes no sense for a single person to go, huh. I think that's about me. Like clearly, I need to. I need to leave right now. Yeah. Right. Like you, it's <laughs> at the point at which you have a permanent job. I think you can. You know, maybe then it makes sense to to like to question. I don't know. Yeah. But like until then, you have other people who can tell you this. Yeah. I and, think that's an interesting and, idea. And, though. Think, the like permanent job thing. It's kind of like, man, like. After after you got tenure, you should be questioning whether you should be here. <laughs> no, that's not what it meant. Man, it's, not... it's so hard. Like just just hang in there, and you'll just see where it takes you. I don't know. Uh, maybe no. That's what I, oh, that's, oh, that's obviously not what I meant. But I meant like you um, know, I have no. I, I don't have. I have no, no idea what people do after they have tenure. Like that was just. I mean, that's just a whole different world. But I mean, until then, it just. I just don't see the point of someone thinking themselves into such a hole that they that you know that, that you know that that it makes sense to, to say like well yeah if you think you don't know anything to that extent then you should leave because someone is like you know someone will will, will tell you if you're genuinely that bad right i also think and it's, you're just wasting time thinking about like thinking about yourself that to that extent yeah. I, I think this is why um, a lot of people are quite sensitive to especially kind of public critique of, of work in general um, yeah. because it could potentially tie into this idea that maybe this person isn't good enough or whatever um, which is obviously like it's kind of a, a weaker but also more extrapolated version of directly saying 
like if X, you should not be in research. But I mean, how do you improve? How do you improve if 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 no one is able to say, hey, that thing there, I think there's a there's an issue with that, right? It's it's not you who made this is faulty. It's you're human. This thing you you made could have been better in in this way, right? Yeah, yeah. No, and I like we could go off and do a whole another episode about criticism in academia. And, we should. Yeah, how why I I think it's one of the major downfalls of kind of current academic progress is that we can't we don't have a way to criticize the work and not the person. Um, yeah, but then I, I also feel like the moment I started seeing my PhD and my early academic career as kind of a skills building exercise, so much changed for me because there, you start off thinking you're not good enough and I don't know enough. But once I switched and I thought, okay, I've got these six years or so in this place um, where I should be building my skills and whatever happens afterwards, I don't, I don't really know. And because I'm building my skills, I don't really need to be scared about whether I can stay or whether I go, you know. Um, and then for me, it's like, yes, I know I don't have time to learn all the skills, but at least I'm like, wow, that's a new area. Oh, I should, you know, and then I can weigh up what I want to invest my time learning. And I feel like once that mindset changed for me into more that a PhD is me as if I'm a plumber learning how to plumb properly. It's a, you know, for me, it's just different because like nobody expects the apprentice in the first day to do well because you're going to learn all these different situations and you need to adapt to modern times so you need to learn all these new skills and for me that's been that's really changed the way i i view these kind of problems i don't know yeah do you think that maybe um closed science had a part to play in this um in 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 the sort of idea of of people like people thinking of themselves as imposters because probably if you're doing, if you're not doing open science, um, it might be easier to make it look like the apprentice is already able to do masterful work, which might then make people feel even worse than they would anyway, just because of how we work, I guess. I think that's a really interesting point, actually. Because I also think it's something to do with putting your work out in the open that you know you'll have mistakes in there. Um, and you know things aren't going to be perfect. And you, you know, you'll just have to work. It's going to be a lifetime of progression to get anywhere um, that all of a sudden the perspective just changes because perfection is, you know, it's almost, it's not reachable. It's a continual progress towards a better science and a better way working and more knowledge and we're just little stepping stones and for me putting my work out there and just doing my best um yeah make make like naturally it puts you even more at risk and it, it does cause me some sleepless nights but yeah yeah it is interesting whether open science has has helped and that it's hard for me to dissociate because the change 
towards thinking about PhD as skills with very much associated with my change of clothes into open science. You know, I think it's, it's, it's really important to think of, think of your PhD as, as a skill-building exercise, right? Or any step that you're taking. Because then, you know, you, yeah, you, you focus more on that part, on the getting better part, than on the I should already be there part. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if, everyone, is, if everyone is just, is, like, you know, if, I think it's good to, to question yourself and to, to see where, where you could be doing stuff better or something. But if all that's going to lead to is that you're paralyzed, then of course it's super unhelpful. But sometimes it's hard to get out of that and get into the, the mode of, you know, no, I should be should just be working on this and improving this. It, it sort of changes the focus a little bit more into the realm that you can control. Does that make sense? So yeah. you, you can never really control if your paper's going to get published. So if the only thing that you're being judged on is your publication list, then it's really challenging. Whereas if actually you're going to be valued by the skills that you bring to the position and the fact that you you know how to make an open data management plan and kind of actually write code and all of that kind of stuff, then you're kind of being judged on the thing that you can learn more about and control. Um, and I think that kind of takes away a little bit of the, the imposteriness. Well, like, and, 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 and this, and I think like another thing that's super important that at least is helpful for me is just thinking like no one, no one cares that much about what you personally do or don't do. <laughs> it's like, obviously don't completely fuck up and do your best work, but you are also hopefully your harshest critic. Like I, I know I am my harshest critic. Um, and that means that you know, you know, you like you don't, you don't. I don't know if you're an actor or something. You don't, you don't. You probably don't listen to all of the most horrible reviews, right? And you, but you are your own most horrible reviewer, and you should probably also mute that a little bit. And be like, okay, they're having a bad day. <laughs> day being you. Um, yeah. You should listen to them that much. Even like the this is probably kind of an anecdote that has nothing to do with this, but yeah, the the thing with like nobody cares that much <laughs> was like I went I I went home for Christmas, and I was sitting at the, at the kitchen table and I just got the proofs for my new human behavior paper and I was like trying to run my dad through it and like he was like nodding and I was like yeah 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 and then my mother was just in the background and then at the end she was just like turn around she's like that all you've done during your whole three years? And I was oh like, uh, <laughs> uh, I thought it was really important. <laughs> no, that's not how I meant it. I meant it in like, nobody cares as in like, in a positive way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I saw that. It was, I, I was just self-centered enough that I needed to share this story. <laughs> oh, but um, it's a great story. But yeah, I think, I think, well, I think, um, I think that it, yeah, that, that you, you do need to just, yeah, mute, mute your own voices oftentimes, um, and sometimes just go out and, and do something and learn something. I think for me, just doing stuff always helps Just saying, okay, I'm, I'm wearing at the moment. I'll like, 
I'll just try to do something for 15 minutes and then I can worry again if I want to. But after the 15 minutes, I'm only like engrossed in a project again. And then I like forget that I wanted to worry. Or like I gave myself the time to worry <laughs> 15 minutes later. But yeah. Or at least you know that you're kind of actively working towards something. So mm. you, you literally at that point can't make the argument to yourself that I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes it harder. Mm. Um, so we, we've kind of touched on it, but I think we've sort of hinted at like useful aspects of at least some version of imposter syndrome, right? So if, if you take away all of the like negative rumination and worry out, out of it and have it as like a, a really obvious, if I compare myself to kind of someone that I really value their skill set and I would like to develop that skill set, then it gives you a very kind of sensible, okay, I need to learn that. Yeah, but I think as soon as you take out all of the rumination and bad parts, it's probably not imposter syndrome anymore. It's just being like not, like it's it's just not having a completely inflated sense of self, um, yeah. and just sort of thinking like you know, forward thinkingly, uh, going like, oh, what can I, what can I be doing, what can I learn, and that's great. That's really positive, right? I wouldn't. I think that's. I mean, it might. Yeah, it might still, as we said at the beginning, it might still be on the same kind of spectrum, of sort of questioning yourself. But I think it's so far away from from this sort of really negative um, or toxic, whatever, um, thinking of yourself as an imposter that it's not really imposter anymore. But yeah, like that aspect of it, sure. Sophia yeah. just yeah. philosopher bombed us because I was like, I was like listening to Sam and I was like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, maybe it's positive. And then Sophia just like, it's not imposter syndrome anymore. You need to think about your definitions. And I'm just like, maybe I'm having imposter syndrome now. <laughs> But yeah, you've, you've changed my mind very quickly, Sophia. Um, yeah, I think we do need to think about the spectrum and maybe imposter syndrome is reserved to the more negative end of things. But I guess I guess what a key takeaway for me from imposter syndrome is, is that like the worst times were definitely really bad for me. Um, but then you get through it. And especially for me, once I started interacting with the open science community, once I started just focusing on doing the best work um, and just did started thinking more broad about science and more step-by-step in, in my approach, I just felt like it was, you know, you can only have the highs if you have the lows. Yeah. Oh, this is great. Sorry, this is just very helpful. Like, <laughs> I've, I've, no, because I've just like I've I've been in a in a in a slightly impostery place for the last like week and a half. Just like like with that little ruminating voice as well. It's just it's just it's just actually really uplifting. I love how so I, I was quite hesitant to do like a an episode on imposter syndrome because I had this expectation that just for the rest of the day all I would want to do is like curl up in a ball and eat chocolate. Um but actually, this has been, yeah, it's a positive, right? It's nice. Yeah. So, like, what 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 do we say? Uh, our big sort of takeaways. So we've we've got one thing is remember, no one cares about what you do as much as you. <laughs> and, it's, and you're and you're in the positive way. In the positive. Yeah, exactly in the positive way. Like, is it like you're probably fine? No one is actually looking at you as critically as you are. And the I second one is avoiding perfectionism kind of feeds into that, exactly. right? it's like if you're if you're redrafting a paper for the 40th time and like trying to get it just right before you send it to your supervisor for the first time it's going to come back with edits whatever you do mm. so like 
but also try to do it as good a job as possible. I mean, yeah, yeah, but Sophia, like my when I started my PhD, my supervisor would always comment in all caps locks, and it was horrible. I needed to go oh, through yeah. the comments, and I I used to just take his comments, then just do exactly the same, just with me writing it in non caps lock, just to make oh, it less yeah. threatening to me, like. Oh, for me, it's so hard looking at comments from my writing still now. It's yeah. like, and I just go through and I oftentimes, yeah, just redo the comments in my own words. Because I can like, and then I, I don't even try to th read the comments. I just redraft them. And then I'm like, okay, good. Now I'm in my, I'm in my safe space again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think also there's no highs without lows. You know, everybody has it. Everybody has That's to deal with it. Yeah. Um, and then... Skills and, really and open science helps, at least for me. I don't know. So I think no, skills and open science do really help. But I also wonder, have either of you ever felt like an open science imposter? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I find it hard because, like, especially being on Twitter and talking about open science, you're naturally oftentimes taking this moral high ground. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, now I need to do everything amazingly perfectly because yeah. if not, people will call me out because I'm there kind of taking more critical stance on other people's science. So my science needs to be perfect. And while I think it is a motivation for me, it, I'm not a perfectionist by heart. Like I'm very much an 80-20 person. So I think it was helpful for me because, you know, I, I used to be the person who handed their dissertation ridiculously early because I was like, can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So While also doing very well. Thanks, Sophia. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so I think, I think, yes, like naturally once you start doing open science, one, your world crumbles, the world that you you were assumed your science was two you get told all these crazy things you never really thought about and now think are vital for your science to work but you haven't been trained you don't have the time you're competing against people who don't care and then all of a sudden you you just don't feel like you can ever be as good as what you want to be but then I guess it is a work in progress and what helps me is seeing senior people also doing it in a step-by-step -step way you know the people I really look up to and if you have a chance to go to somewhere like SIPS somewhere like a workshop to actually talk to these people face-to-face -face outside of Twitter outside of the academic literature you see that everybody struggles with this and once you see that we're all just people trying to do our best it gets better it, it's not it doesn't it doesn't go away but it gets better for me yeah, no, I agree. That was something, um, so last week, um, Amy and I were at a reproducible research workshop um, with a lot of the, the big people, the, the adults of open science. Um, <laughs> I'm being really impostery there, aren't I? It's like, I'm just this little kid. Um, and like their, their big feedback, which was useful for me because it's, Na kind of naturally always come back to this like right how does it work for hiring and jobs and all this kind of stuff because you always want to do the best work but you also kind of want to know that you're going to have a job right um, so there was this kind of looking back at previous work that could have been a lot better had I known is quite quite a challenge but what was really nice is the sort of feedback that we get from the more senior people who are going to be the people hiring um, that 
like the number of publications isn't the big thing. The the fact that you have some more kind of closed and irreproducible papers isn't the worst thing in the world, providing that kind of you you're demonstrating you improving and developing the skills that are required and all of that kind of stuff. So so yeah, I I, I agree with you and it's kinda of, it's quite uplifting to know that kind of everything that we're doing is valuable. It's for the greater good. Good. No, we're trying our best. Um, so on that on that note, I think we're just about out of time for this week. Um, we have been reproducibility. Um, see you everyone soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.